0: Welcome to Australian Hiker, your online hiking resource. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage.
1: This is episode 142 of the Australian Hiker podcast, And in this week's episode, we're going to be talking about day hiking, what to pack. It's Saturday morning and the weather is perfect, so you decide to head off to a local national park with friends to do a hike. Nothing complex, but it's more than just a short walk from the car, and you may or may not have phone signal, so you start thinking about what you'll take with you. Now this hike won't require overnight equipment, such as a tent or a sleeping bag, but really what should you take? And that's what we're going to be talking about in this episode. We hope you enjoy. Before we sort of go too far with this, let's talk about what we mean by a day hike. Now, for most people, it's going to be reasonably obvious. It's a hike you do in a single day. In a day. (laughs) In a day, yeah. But that means an awful lot to an awful lot of people. Uh, my shortest day hikes might've been four or 500 meters. Uh, you know, it might've been that I've been driving somewhere. I drove past somewhere that's interesting. uh, I just want to stop off and walk up to a lookout and I've got a 400 meter walk. So nothing overly difficult. My longest day hikes have been 58 kilometers and that's a very different sort of thing, uh, than just a simple throw a few things in a, a pack and start walking, um, so for most people, that's it. That's pretty extreme. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I think uh, for a lot of people, uh, and certainly for a lot of people that listen to this podcast and read our articles, five to 10 kilometres is not an unrealistic thing for a day hike. Um, and, you know, that sort of gives you a bit of a, a, a distance to work with. So let's look at things to consider when thinking about things to bring on a hike with us. So we've talked about the length of the hike. Uh What about the purpose of the hike? Are you there to take photographs, uh, whether it be of birds or flowers or just to the environment itself? Are you there for bird watching? Uh, These things will all dictate additional pieces of equipment that you might bring with you. The terrain. Is the terrain nice and flat? Uh, It's got a good, well-groomed trail tread. Uh, It's nice and easy. It's not very complex. Uh, or is it something that's a bit overgrown, very remote, uh, you're not going to see anyone, it's a really rough trail tread, it hasn't been really maintained, but it still is a track. Um, both of these things will potentially steer you in one direction or another, particularly in, in what you bring on a hike. The weather. Now, um, as we're recording this podcast uh, in uh, about th- three days' time, I'll be starting a, uh, a multi-day walk, and hopefully it'll be either a two- or three-day walk, but given the weather forecast on the east coast of Australia at the moment, we're looking at some pretty heavy rainfall over the next few days, uh, lightening up as we get to the weekend, uh, and that means I definitely will be taking my wet weather gear. Uh, it also means I need to consider things like taking uh, a pack cover, so my gear and my pack doesn't get wet. Um, uh, or it might be the opposite. It might be a really hot summer's day uh, uh, and you might have to uh, dress accordingly whether it is hot or whether it's even cold for that matter. Catering options. Are you just going to have a few snacks? Maybe are you going to take water with you and um, some fruit or a sandwich or something like that? Or are you actually going to cook on the trail? And I do know people that will go even for day hikes that they are not camping overnight. They'll take a, a small stove with them for a tea or coffee, uh, maybe some soup. Uh, not always cooking, but you know, certainly having a warm drink is is not uncommon for day hikes.
0: And I think sometimes when you're doing a day hike, it's nice to actually do uh, something that's a little bit of uh, personal pleasure in terms of kind of the food or the experience that you're doing. So, so you know, coffee on the trail, it's easy to carry, you're not carrying it for long, um, a, a nice meal for lunch or something like that. You know, that's kind of part of the experience as well.
1: Um, water's another one you need to consider. Uh, now, we've gone through and talked about uh, water usage on hike in previous podcasts and previous articles. But just to reinforce... I tend to carry a litre of water for each 10 kilometres I plan on walking. That's in the cooler months of the year. Once we start getting over around about 25 degrees Celsius, uh, I'll start looking at around about one litre per hour. So if I plan on hiking in the middle of summer when it's 30, 35 degrees, um, and I plan on doing 20 kilometres, for me that's probably going to take four, maybe five hours, depending on what the terrain's like. So I will carry at least three litres of water, possibly a water filter, and I might take a bit extra if it is a really extreme sort of day.
0: Yeah, on the other hand, I probably don't need that much water and I certainly don't want to carry that much water.
1: And last but not least, equipment. So let's talk more specifically about equipment now. First off, uh, the question people often ask is, do you have to have special hiking gear? And the answer to that is no. In most cases... You don't. For a lot of people who are just starting out hiking, there's nothing wrong with using what you have at home. Uh, I think just about everybody in Australia will have at least one small backpack in the house. Uh, <laughs> we've
0: got we've got many.
1: <laughs> yeah, we've got many even without having hiking lots of hiking backpacks. Uh, and I think everyone's the same. They'll be able to grab a backpack out of a cupboard somewhere to throw their equipment into. You'd expect people to have things like water bottles in the house. Uh, they'll have a pair of runners and you should be able to grab some clothing that you know you may not worry about getting dirty uh, and go hiking in that. Uh, and we're going to talk about more clothing more specifically in a moment. So as I said up front, you don't have to go out and spend lots of money on hiking. Um, there are benefits to spending at least some money uh, once you know that this is what you want to do. Uh, but when you're first starting out, as long as the what you're wearing and what you're using is comfortable... Uh, nothing wrong with it not being hiking dedicated.
0: And I think there's something about um, experiencing to understand what you actually need. Um, so it's it's a little bit of a catch-22 until you've been out hiking a few times. You're not sure on what works for you and what doesn't work for you. So, um, you know, for those who are new to hiking, just get out there with whatever it is that they've got in the cupboard.
1: Okay, so now we'll talk about the specifics of clothing and we'll sort of look at what the things you should have with you on every hike and then we'll look at some optional extras. So clothing is the most obvious one um, and I am a strong believer and I know I'm in the, the minority here of having long sleeves, long sleeve tops and long leg pants. Uh, it is rare that Is that I'll- because you're tall? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, then it comes up to my knees. Um, I think, um, from my perspective, uh, I've worked outside for a lot of my life. I grew up in a generation that was um, uh, had being sun smart pushed into us. Um, so you'll find that um, uh, it's not unusual. To get sunburned quite easily if you are if you aren't used to being in the sun, um, if you're in the Australian Alps, as an example, the sun is much more extreme, and you'll get very burnt very quickly without realising it. Yeah, I think uh,
0: my uh, the last Alps hike we did in summer uh, almost lost my entire face; <laughs> just went crispy. <laughs>
1: Uh, and, and the other thing as well, particularly in the Australian Alps, it's not unusual over the hotter months to get the horse flies. Uh, they will make a good attempt at biting through thinner clothing. If you've got short pants on, short sleeves, you will pay the price of being bitten by uh, a fly that has a nasty little bite on it. So I, my preference is to have, uh, as I said, the long sleeves and the long uh, leg pants. But, at, but not, it's not critical, but it's something I would, would strongly recommend.
0: Yeah, and I I do a, a a mix. So, um I've got zip-off pants, um so I might spend part of the day in shorts and then um put the the bottom of the pants on. Um I might start the day with a t-shirt and then in the afternoon put a long sleeve shirt over the top or something like that. So, it I think it just depends on what works for you.
1: And I must admit, I do. I do actually wear uh, a short sleeve top every so often if I know the weather's not going to be hot and the walks fairly short.
0: And that's when um, we get to see those really white iridescent arms.
1: Uh, that's we? it. That's it. <laughs> um, main thing I'd say here though is whatever you wear. There's a, a saying that comes out of the United States which is cotton kills, and it's more for the winter time that if you get. Wearing jeans, as an example, which is a cotton material, uh, and it gets sopping wet, uh, you'll get cold very quickly. Not a problem in summertime, uh, but in wintertime, it's not a good thing to use. So this is why having dedicated hiking pants or something, uh, a synthetic pair of pants during uh, the cooler months is not a bad way to go. And this is probably one of the things you'd look at once you start buying equipment.
0: Yeah, and I think that's an interesting point because we do see a lot about, you know, never wear this, never wear that. Um, the reality is it depends where you are and it depends the time of year.
1: Now, I, uh, I do, I'm a big fan of merino tops uh, and you know, when you think about wool, you think of a jumper and something that's keeping you warm um, but I, I do like the light lightweight, lightweight merino blends uh, and they just do a really good job um, i don't get overly hot um, but there are things like polypropylene and bamboo there's a number of different types of materials on the market and it's a matter of finding what suits you but as i said for me it's merino and before we sort of head off uh, away from clothing one thing i would suggest as well is i mean you can always tell a pair of hiking pants because it tends to have pockets all over it. Um, anyhow, and the old cargo-style pants that had a couple of pockets at the front, had back pockets, had had the hip pockets. Um, I do have a variety of pants uh, that have a number of pockets as well as a number of almost um, sleeves, little sleeves, I suppose, where you can slide a phone into or slide a camera into on the pants leg. So there are lots of little features, um, and uh, first and foremost, if you're looking at things like hiking pants or hiking clothing, it needs to be comfortable. Um, comfort's the the main priority, and then you start looking at what other features and colors and and all those sort of things. You know whether it has zip off legs or not.
0: We we must be the absolute opposite in everything, Tim, because I I don't like uh, pants with lots of pockets, um, uh, and. One or two pockets is okay, but I do also like them to have little zips on them as well so I I don't lose things. So, you know, again, it's just what you prefer, what you feel good in um, and what's going to work for you.
1: Okay, now on to footwear. Uh, Now... Footwear probably is one of the most important things from a hiking perspective. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, you can get away with wearing a pair of pants or a shirt out of the cupboard. You can get away with a a cheap backpack from from one of the cheap discount stores. It'll work for you. If you have the wrong footwear or badly fitting footwear, uh, you will know about it and you're not going to enjoy it. So if you're going to spend some money on anything – Look at the footwear first and foremost. Now we'll break the footwear into three separate pieces here. The first one, obvious one being the shoes or the boots. Jill and I are big fans of trail runners. Um, these, if you're not familiar with what a trail runner is, it's a road running shoe that's just been a bit beefed up, has a bit more grip uh, has a bit more protection for being out, out in the, the wild trails as opposed to bitumen and, and footpath.
0: Yeah, super grippy and lo- lots of padding and protection underfoot.
1: Um, many other people prefer boots, and, and certainly up until probably 10 years ago, I would say boots were pretty much what people wore and that was it. Um, I, As I said, I'm a fan of the trail runners. Um, they're lighter weight, Um but I do own boots and I do occasionally wear them if I need lots of support or I'm walking, walking on very unstable, rocky conditions, but it's not that often that I do. Yeah,
0: or even, you know, really wet, um, cold conditions, I think.
1: Yeah, you know, so wintertime ta- winter and things like that. Rearing trail, trail runners in snow, not the best thing that I've ever done in my life. Socks uh, form part of the footwear system, so you need to have a sock and a shoe or a boot that isn't going to make your feet sweat. Uh, If your feet sweat, that's when you're likely to start developing blisters, Uh, so it's a a bit of a trial and error here. Uh, It took me a while to work out what socks I like, and, and I now, even if I change brands, I know... I need medium cushioning underneath my feet and a very lightweight sock on top. So if I'm trying a different brand, that's what I tend to look for. I also have a preference for merino socks, uh, and with a bit of synthetic material in them is fine, uh, as opposed to 100% synthetic socks. I just find they tend to last well. Uh, They keep me warm when they need to. They don't overheat. If you're wearing socks that are way too thick, your feet will sweat, you'll become uncomfortable, and that's when you start looking at getting blisters as well.
0: So this is the other alternative. Um, I wear toe socks in gingy toe socks, um, and I don't mind um, promoting the brand. I, I don't know of any other toe sock on the market, there are probably others. Um, and uh, you know I do like I do like merino socks. Um, but generally, the in gingies are not merino or not solely. So I go for a mid uh sock, and uh, I can't remember the last time I had a blister. Uh, whereas before, I would get them all the time. And as a prevention, I would just tape my feet up seriously. Uh, but the toe socks are just fabulous.
1: I must admit, I I do own a pair of um uh. uh Barefoot runners that have the toes in the actual shoe. Uh, and I do own some gingy socks. And I do like when the weather's a bit cooler walking in them. Uh, it just gives you such a good fe- uh, feeling of freedom, but it's not something I'd do a, a two or three or, f- or four week hike on. Yep, um, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and last but not least, gaiters. Now, gaiters are going to form two functions. The old traditional style of gaiters were the thick, heavy, canvassy or uh, synthetic material. They were designed to protect you from snakes. They were designed to protect you from scratchy um, or sharp spin effects or sharp bushes or sharp sticks. Uh, and I do wear this type of gaiters on a couple of hikes that I do around the Canberra region. When it, there's a couple of areas in particular where I know I will come across snakes, uh, so I'll wear them then. For the majority of the time, the gaiters I wear are a lightweight lycra gaiter, just designed to stop um, dirt and sand and bits of uh, vegetation getting inside my shoes. Um, so they're more to, more to keep me comfortable. Not to protect me from anything, really.
0: Yeah, and I do. I do wear uh, Lycra gaiters as a as a general thing. I wouldn't worry too much about Lycra gaiters if I had a pair of boots.
1: Before, now we've looked at what we've been uh, going through and wearing, let's uh, start looking at what we're carrying on our back. As I said before, you can use just a stock standard backpack that you've probably got sitting around your house. But the difference with hiking packs is they tend to have features that are aimed towards the activity. So quite often, but not always, hiking packs will have hip pockets on them. So you've got small pockets that you can put things like hand sanitizer, snacks, uh, maybe a set of keys. Um, uh, So something that's easy to get out without having to stop and take your pack off. They'll often have uh, a rain cover built into them. So things that are classed as day packs tend to be smaller packs, uh, and it's not unusual for day packs to have built-in rain covers. Uh, although, having said that, my day pack's probably on the, slightly on the larger size, but because it's it's performing a number of functions, um, and it doesn't have a uh, waterproof cover on it. Um, but it's it's in in my case, my pack is a uh, uh, just a small version of my full size pack that I use.
0: Whereas my day pack um, does have a. Um a waterproof cover that's that's uh, tucked away in the bottom of the pack that you just un um, unpack and cover the pack with. That's a lot of packs.
1: <laughs> for for most people though, when you're looking at day packs, you're looking at something uh, between twenty to thirty liters in size. Yeah, they do go. They do certainly come down to sort of the fifteen liter mark. They do also go up to the the thirty thirty five uh, liter mark. That's getting large for a day pack. And in fact, my day pack is is around the 30 litre mark. Uh, But it really is personal preference on that one.
0: And it's an amazing amount of stuff that you can fit into a really small pack, though. I mean, that's the other thing that once you loosen it off and um, once you fill the pockets, there tend to be, I think, a lot more pockets on day packs. Um, You can get all sorts of things tucked away.
1: And I think in particular, if you're using just a a spare pack you happen to have around the house, that will give you an idea of the size you need. So when you're going into buy a pack, you can say, well, okay, this is what I've got. This is what the approximate size is, and that works well, or I need something bigger or smaller. So you can certainly have a bit of a play there. Things that go into the packs, uh, things like water storage. We talked about bringing water before. If I'm going on a fairly short hike, Uh, That might only be sort of half an hour away from the car tops. uh, I'll carry a water bottle that might be 750 mils of water, uh, but I'll usually have a water bottle in the car as well. On longer hikes, uh, I will carry a three litre water bladder and I may not put three litres of water in it, but I've got the capacity to fill that that up where I need to.
0: And we'll definitely have water in the car when we go on a, a day hike.
1: Camp kitchen. Now, what you bring with you in relation to eating and drinking is going to be very much a personal thing here. You don't necessarily need to bring anything at all. Uh, You can drink out of a water bottle or a water bladder. Uh, You can um, bring a cup if you want. Uh, Nothing wrong with that. Um, You might also decide you're going to be cooking on the trail. You might want to have tea or coffee or something like that. So really how carried away you get with the cooking, you might decide you're going to go for a hike that's only six hours in length and you're going to cook cook a lunch uh, halfway through it when you stop and then head back to the car again. So that becomes a personal thing um, but it's a, it's a matter of thinking about what you're going to do in relation to food. Uh, do you need a spoon? Do you need a cup? Do you need a knife? Um, and we'll talk about knives more specifically in a moment. Uh, and um, um, uh, you know, really it's a matter of what is it you're going to do in relation to food.
0: Yeah, and I think it's a little bit like why, why are you going on this hike and we talked a bit before about, um, you know, you might be doing some bird watching or you might be doing some photography but, you know, your thing might be um, climbing that mountain and sitting there with a nice cup of tea and, you know, watching the world go by and I, I think... That's the point of all of this. You take what you need to optimise the enjoyment that you're going to have. And it is a day hike, so you you can afford to take a perhaps a few extra little things um, as long as you're willing to carry them.
1: Now, we mentioned bringing a knife. Normally, I'll carry a tool of some sort, and typically in most cases, it is a knife. It's a lightweight knife that I might use if I've got a block of cheese with me and I just want to cut that up, or if I... Um, need to, something's torn and I just need to trim something up Um, but I always have some type of tool with me just in case Um, and I'll go into things like first aid gear in the moment. Uh, I do actually have uh, other cutting implements in there as well.
0: Tim carries that, I don't worry about stuff like that.
1: (laughs) Okay, compass and map Um, and I rarely carry maps unless I'm going to somewhere where I do need to navigate uh, with a map. The areas I often tend to go to worst case if I I go off trail I know the surrounding areas I'm going to but I will always carry a compass so I know what north, south, east and west is and if I am going off trail um, even for a short distance I know the direction I've come and where I need to go, go back to get onto the trail again. We talked about first aid equipment, and that's something you certainly do need to take with you. Now, what goes into a first aid kit uh, will vary quite dramatically. I have come across paramedics in the past who have carried the most amazing first aid gear you can ever imagine, but that's what they do for a living, so they're full on into carrying all this sort of stuff. Um, It may be as simple as carrying some Mm -hmm. Band-Aids. You know, you get a blister, so you need something to to cover the blister. Um, I will carry a pretty much a a stock standard first aid kit on most cases. Uh, Might be a bit stripped down. You know, if I'm going on longer hikes, I carry things uh, for prevention of diarrhea. Um, I carry things like... um, uh neurofin or something like that a painkiller which i may not carry on a short hike Uh, i
0: think well sometimes for me they're already in the first aid kit so you just pick up the first aid kit and put it in your pack you know there's no point unpacking uh the kit to take those things out because next time when you're doing a longer hike you might forget to put them back in so i you know my my rule is just pick it up put it in it doesn't weigh that much extra so just keep it simple.
1: One thing I will carry with me pretty much always is things like a splinter pick. Um, you know, splinters are reasonably common for, you know, some people will get a splinter at least once every year or two. It's not uncommon. <laughs> so, uh, And that's even it's around. There's
0: probably a stat out there somewhere, you know. Yeah. I think I, I get more than other people's, I'm sure.
1: Uh, and I think the thing with first aid gear is you know, if you're starting to do something in remote areas where you're not going to be close to civilization, having a reasonable first aid kit and being able to use what's in there is actually quite relevant. Now we'll look at things with classes, optional equipment, and this really is more a matter of what type of hiking are you doing, how long is the hike, uh, and what's your budget like whether you carry these things or not. So things like personal locator beacons or satellite communicator. For most people who hike that do a 5k hike up their local mountain, they're probably not going to carry a personal locator beacon. Um, The mountain I walk up two or three times a week, uh, it doesn't matter what time of the day or even 5 o'clock in the morning, I am guaranteed of seeing people. I have never done a hike on this mountain in 40 years where I haven't seen another person. Uh, And... So And my phone does work as well, so there's no real need to carry anything specific. But as I said, if I'm going into remote areas where I know that I won't be seeing anyone for pretty much the entire length of the hike and I know that I don't have a phone signal, I will carry some sort of emergency beacon. Uh, And this is where you need to decide that you are really keen on hiking and um, you may find that some uh, uh, hiking or bushwalking clubs will offer hire these out, uh, and that's not a bad way to go. But if you're going to be doing a lot of this on a regular basis, uh, start looking at this as an investment. Things like tracking poles. Um, I am a big tracking pole user, but I won't worry about it on a hike that's only one or two kilometres long. It tends to be, for me, it's going to be, uh, even when I'm doing really long-distance hikes, Uh, I will start off for the first hour or so uh, just walking by myself without the use of tracking poles uh, and then I'll swap over to that and pretty much from there onwards the poles are in my hand almost exclusively. We talked about water storage before. Uh, It may be that you need a water filter. So if you're doing a 15, 20, 25 kilometre hike in a single day and it's hot, you may not carry enough water with you. I want to carry that much water, but you know you can actually get water from a river or a stream. I do like to filter my water regardless of how clear it looks uh, and having a small filter is quite handy. Things like reading glasses, my eyesight's bad enough there. I can just make out text on a page, um, but certainly if the light's poor, I don't bring my expensive reading glasses with me. My eyesight's uh, in a situation where I just need to, it's a straight correction, so I can get away with a cheap pair of glasses uh, just in case I need to read. Um, And I can read my um, GPS without a pair of glasses, but it's just so much easier having them with me. And things like camera. Now, it's funny that I mentioned this as an optional, but these days most people seem to have uh, phones with cameras on them. Uh, so whether you choose to carry a separate camera really is going to depend on how much you're into photography and what you're trying to achieve. Um, I will always carry a camera with me. Um, it's rare that I carry a macro lens and an SLR, but I do do that occasionally depending on what I'm going through and planning to do.
0: Yeah, whereas I I don't mind foregoing the camera. I know that sounds like a... Uh, Probably a really weird thing, but um, if I've got a phone and it's absolutely spectacular, I'll take a photo with the phone. Otherwise, I'm, I'm more about being in it and enjoying it and experiencing it rather than looking through the lens all the time.
1: Okay, so that's all that relates to gear. So as I said, really there's no need to go out and specifically spend money if you don't have the gear to start with. Wait until you decide that this is something that you really like. And then work out what your priorities are and what you think is more important. Uh, As I said, a good pair of hiking shoes of some sort or hiking boots is probably the first thing I'd go through and do. Um, Then I'd probably be looking at a a decent pack because it's a bit more comfortable. uh, And then start looking at everything from there on. And it's, you know, you can set yourself up reasonably inexpensive. uh, And, you know, when we're talking about day hiking, we're not having to spend on sleeping bags or tents. So, you know, they're probably the two of the most expensive things you're ever going to buy. And I've mentioned things like satellite communication devices. For me, that's uh, I can justify that the amount of hiking I do, the amount of hiking I do in very remote areas that are away from uh, mobile phone signal. It is it is easy to justify, but it is expensive. So, um, it's value for money without being cheap. Now, one thing I would mention here is if you go to the link in the show notes, um, we have both Jill's and my current day hiking gear checklist, um, and this actually has brands and models of what we carry. Uh, now, this is gonna, this suits us really well. It may not suit you, but at least gives you an idea of, of the sort of thing we use, and hopefully that'll help make your choices a bit better. Okay, so we hope this has been of some help in looking at putting together um, what to take on a day hike. The main thing I would finish off with here is every hike you do is different, unless you only do the same hike over and over again and do nothing else. And you might,
0: you you know, and you might enjoy that too, and that's okay.
1: As I said, I've been doing the same hike up my mountain for over 40 years, and I still enjoy doing it. Uh, but. Really what you need to do is think about the considerations, the weather conditions and the sort of hike you're doing and think about what you're taking on each hike. And it may be very similar each time, but there'll always be some differences. Okay, that's all for this week. We hope you've enjoyed. In our next episode, episode 143, we're going to catch up with Mickey and Michelle who are hiking the 3,000-kilometre Te Araroa Trail in New Zealand. Um, when we last caught up with them in episode 124, they're only just uh, about to start their journey. Now they've, got, uh, they've done over 2,000 kilometres uh, and they are winding their way towards the end of the track. So it's a good opportunity to see how they've, how they've gone so far. That's all for me. Bye for now. And bye from me. Really, it's a matter of finding something that is comfortable. Really, it's a matter of finding something that's comfortable first and foremost, uh, and then start looking at what else it does Com- for comfortable. you. Comfortable. It needs to be comfortable. <laughs> <Constable>. <laughs>